Hi, and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm joined for this episode by Anne-Marie McQueen. Uh, she's a journalist. She's based in Abu Dhabi. And uh, welcome, Anne-Marie. Very happy to, to have you on this week's podcast. Thank you for having me. I got to know you by uh, finding you on Instagram, where you're very active under the, the wonderfully titled Hot Flash Inc. Did, so which came first, your Instagram or your, your weekly newsletter, which is also fantastic, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, that name came about because I couldn't get the website hot flash. It was taken by someone who's just squatting on it. And uh, my, we were just kicking around ideas on a girl, girls weekend. And my friend said, what about hot flash Inc? And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that name. Um, they were together. I did it together in June, you know, the social media and the newsletter at the same time. It was always the newsletter that was going to be the core and then uh, the social media to support it. So what was the impetus for you uh, starting the the newsletter, which, which comes out every week? So I guess it was when I was around 48 that I clued in to the fact that I was in perimenopause. I think like a lot of women, when your periods are regular, although they may have changed, you just tell yourself, well, that's not happening to me now, even though I had had a series of problems for years, you know, years before that. So um, that aside, at 48, I was like, okay, I'm in this and I like information to deal with stuff. You know, this is how in my life, I'm really into health and wellness and I just like to keep on top of all the latest stuff. And so I, so I said, I want to do that with this, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. going to tackle this like that. So I started by putting a Google alert and I just start, I really didn't like the information that was coming back to me at that point. Um, so that would be in like 2018, 2017. And it was very, you know, you know, a lot of this, it was very negative, uh, fear-based kind of like daily mail type stuff. What you're, yeah. you're losing, you're losing. <laughs> that was one thing that struck me. And then even at that point, a lot of the content was to support people who were selling things, uh, uh, programs and products. And that tends to be generic. And then even a lot of the other articles were just also very generic. You know, we see these all the time still. Everything you need to know about menopause, everything you need to know about perimenopause, how to fix your hot flashes. But then when you open them, there's not really anything very helpful in there. They're also kind of generic. And I just thought, I've been a content queen. (laughs) My last name. But I've just been like obsessed with content. And when I was an editor in the features department and lifestyles, you know, I, I just always wanted depth. And I was like, wanted every article that people open to just have, you know, just be so fulfilling to read <laughs> and have so many different aspects and have depth. Something they could actually take away and action or follow up on rather than just, you know, of, yeah, very vague kind of doom mongering. There's so many people doing content. There's very little still really good content. So, and then I was also, uh, had launched a website in Abu Dhabi um, for the UAE. And it was about, it was the first men's and women's uh, wellness and health website, but a website is very arduous. And I thought, I just want to direct like communication and a lot of journalists were going to newsletters. And so then I just thought I'll do a newsletter and see how it goes and just sort of do my take every week. And that's what I've done so far. And then I just did all the social media around it, but it was basically to try and find the kind of content that I would want to consume that I didn't see very often. You see those articles occasionally you know you'll see the atlantic will do an article or the guardian will do an article and they're excellent but they're few and far between still yeah i think one of the things i like is that you you kind of you have that nice combination of the scientific research that's happening so it's a peer-reviewed journals and kind of flagging up the ones that have interesting uh, developments in this area but then you've also got a lot of the kind of the cultural and sort of social things that are happening as well uh, so i think it's a really great way just to kind of 
dip in and sort of think, okay, that's piqued my interest. I'll, I'll go have a look at that. So you, you're doing great service for kind of doing this roundup of anything and everything that, that could be interesting to, uh, to kind of women in this sort of age bracket. Well, thank you. I mean, I would really like to graduate into if I can figure out a model of payment that works that still offers a free newsletter, but um, I can get something going, which is what a lot of journalists do. I would like to start doing those more in-depth articles that I can commission and get people to do. I just at the moment I'm limited because it's just me. But um, I thought, you know, by doing pop culture and doing the podcasts and doing fashion and doing, you know, skincare and television shows and books, I feel like that shows women that this is becoming something that's becoming normalized, even if we're not there yet. You, when you read the newsletter from, from even last June to now, I have so much to choose from. There's so much happening, even it in the last- It does feel like a real sort of tipping point. And um, yeah, as I was just saying to you before we, we press record, it's a, it's a big week, I think. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the UK, there's a, a kind of hard-hitting documentary it's going to be airing tomorrow on Channel 4. But I guess by the time the podcast goes out, it'll it'll already have been and gone. But Davina McCall presenting that one. And it really does feel as though there's this kind of groundswell now of people being very open about their experiences, talking about things, trying to sort of, I guess, just move away from this, the situation that, that we had in previous generations where you know it wasn't talked about there was a certain amount of stigma attached to it and you know it's just kind of oh just go over there and get on with it don't make a fuss kind of thing and and that narrative certainly um you know isn't gonna fly with people of our generation it's like no we're not gonna go quietly we're we're not going to shut up about it well that's the thing we talk about everything and we've we're such a funny generation, the Gen Gen X, because we've gone from like the phone on the wall with the cord, you know, that you, you talked on when you were a teenager to, to you're recording this podcast yourself. You've, you know, like technologically, we, we have adapted to so much in our lifetime. And we, we have also been a much more, I think, emotionally aware generation than our parents. So we're used to talking about harder things, I think, than our parents. So I know that I was never going to be, it just makes sense to me now that of course this was going to happen and I was going to talk about it because I've talked about, you know. <laughs> but also demanding more, right? Just yes. not kind of putting up and yeah. shutting up. Um, so, and I loved, uh, you put out a great video recently um, and sort of using the normalized menopause hashtag where you brought together a lot of kind of voices from all over the globe just speaking very briefly about why do we need to do this why we need to normalize it right so many people are going through this will be going through this and and yet still so many people are having you know really suboptimal experiences that can have really far-reaching impacts on on their sort of health their you know their personal lives their families yeah and as you know like most women are caught between aging parents and kids I don't have kids but but it's a real sandwich situation happening and with COVID on top of it that video which is at my Instagram now it's I'm going to have a YouTube channel I'm going to put that put it there but I that was just like sort of people I'd connected with in the year and I just asked them all to send in little snippets of why we should normalize menopause and 
the thing that, you know, I choked up every time I watched it because what you can see is like women, and I even feel emotional now because what you can see is women being positive, but you can see how hard it's been. You can just see that in like this, they're smiling and they're talking, but you can feel the struggle in it amid the positivity and it's just um it's yeah they, they really want it to be better for the next yeah. person coming down the line yeah. so whatever we can do in any kind of small way just to think you know somebody else isn't gonna have to go through that experience or whatever that I went through I can, can make a small difference to to the kind of the people coming I mean even in my group I have younger friends in their 30s and they're not gonna be like me going around I mean from 42 to 47. I think I was just always going to doctors and naturopaths trying to figure out what was going on with me. And no one, you hear this over and over and over, no one mentioned perimenopause. And I didn't, you would think of all the people to twig to it, maybe that I would, because I was in the field of covering health and wellness. But why would we? Because there is so little preparation out there, right? It's almost like people have to keep going through that sort of hamster wheel of have a terrible time for long enough that eventually they'll you know they'll either go through enough doctors that they'll get somebody who finally is like oh I think it's this or you know they'll they'll go and do their own research and by some process of elimination find out that it's you know related to perimenopause whereas the first time you go see your general practitioner they should be well this is a possibility have we considered this let's right why does it have to take you five years yeah of going through that it's yeah I don't understand it and then you know why why did no one mention it as a possibility one thing and then I think the reason we need to normalize it is because you don't want it to be that anyway right like I certainly wouldn't have been very I think from even in my early 40s I was still hoping to have children so I was very opposed to any sort of you know I I I was probably in denial about anything that I would think would be threatening my my chances of doing that and so by normalizing perimenopause and then then I wouldn't have been so scared it's like you can still have children if you're in perimenopause I have a friend who just had a surprise baby uh, a couple of weeks ago you know it's it's completely possible it's not like this dun 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 the end sort of if you but it feels like yeah it does the way that it's portrayed in the media as some sort of dreadful kind of falling off a cliff into into decrepitude but it's absolutely not like I never saw past it you know I knew I would turn 50 in 2020 and I sort of could never look past it you know I lost my own mom when she was 53 and I think there's a little bit of fear in that but there's it's it's there's so much in it that's also positive like it's yes it's very trying emotionally and physically to go through these changes and when your hormones are going up and down and up and down but you also get like a wisdom and a peace and there's a, like a sort of a sense of my place in the world that I did not have um, until the last year or two. So I, it's not all it's not all bad by any stretch of the imagination. That's what I want people to know as well. And obviously it's different for every woman. So in normalizing it, I, I don't want to you know, scare women. I want to take that fear away. I th- and I think talking about it just makes it so much better. Like I can talk about it. No, I don't know about you, but I have no problems talking about it now. You know, even a year ago when I started out, there'd be people I wouldn't say what I was doing. Now it's like, once you start talking about it, it's like. And also every woman that speaks out and shares her own experience, you know, you're making someone else feel, okay, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, it's okay. There are, yeah, I say, I don't know, what was the stat? 1.1 billion 
women by 2025 be going through this. But for the majority of us, there'll, there'll be something that, to contend with. Um, and yeah, the more that we understand that what could be, how to say it, as you say, everyone has something slightly different. Everyone's going to have a slightly different combination of experiences, which on the one hand is what makes it harder, right? Because it's not like there's a predictable, okay, you're going to have this and this and this. But equally, the more people understand that it's not just hot flashes, hot flashes, and you know anxiety there are so many other things out there people will experience or or could be experiencing well i think dr louise newson has that free app balance there's 60 symptoms on that and there's a woman in the states says she's counted 84 so it's so many hormones run your entire body i mean (laughs) you know and when you have sort of like imbalances happening and crashes and going up and down it can affect all of your systems so, so it's, could it be perimenopause? Yeah, probably. You know, I just finished a book by Dr. Anise Mukherjee. She's a endocrinologist in the UK. It's called The Complete Guide to Menopause. And it's a really good book. Um, but she talks about that. She talks about how far reaching perimenopause and menopause is. It's just, mm. we've got all the, it affects. You just start to scratch the surface of, of how many things within the body that sort of those hormones are kind of impacting on and, and the sort of the, then not having them yeah. suddenly it's like it is a bit like you know you don't have oil in your car engine or something it's like well yeah of course things are gonna not be optimal and it's it's so interesting because and it comes at me and I still question all the time what is this what's happening I still will fight it all the time like one of the things she talks about in her book is energy and I I really the, the week that video came out it was a it was a big high. It was a lot of energy putting it together. A lot of people got in touch to talk about it. Then I did two really tough workouts. I went to this really late uh, Ramadan event and I I crashed on Sunday and I was depleted beyond depleted for probably four or five days. And I don't know if I used too much energy, but also my hormones were just crashed because nothing felt like it was working on my body that week. You know what I mean? Like, no, my my digestion was bad. I felt like I wasn't even getting like I felt like my nutrients weren't even going in the right place. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I felt I was eating, yeah. felt hungry. Like I was just all off and I wasn't sleeping very well and I was so sleepy. And um and then I rested, you know, like which is what as women we're not very good at doing. We have- yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Just kind of learning to say, I need to rest. I need to stop. I need to not do this. I need to say no to this. Yeah, for so many of us, that's just an alien concept that to embrace that element of saying, I need to look after me, I need to be my number one priority, or I'm not going to get through this all in great shape. Because you're always going through something when you're going through this, you know, until we have that moment in time that we haven't had our period for 12 years or 12 years, (laughs) 12 years. Oh gosh, I'm glad it's not that long. So you go through menopause, but um, until we have that moment, it's really a moment in time, menopause. And 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 until you have that moment in time, you are uh, going through something really profound physically and emotionally. So even if you're feeling great, you still, I think, have to be aware that you can't just like hammer it 
that you have to rest and take care of yourself um, or you're going to pay for it later. That's something that I'm really learning. And I know mm-hmm. my mom had, um, she had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and she, she had something similar and perhaps she was going through perimenopause as well. Um, she'd had a hysterectomy, but I think you still have like symptoms. But I remember this with her. I remember her saying, I have to conserve my energy. And I, I was thinking the other day, it's, it's really no different. Because the tendency is to want to go full bear when you have those Wonder Woman weeks and then uh, and then you're going to have less of them. So we've talked um, briefly before about the fact that you're, you know, you're not using HRT, hormone therapy, that you're focusing more on sort of exercise and supplements. So what, what have you found kind of works for you and have has that kind of changed over time? Do you kind of keep trying different things? Yeah. I haven't gone that route and I don't, it's not easily accessible to me. That's one mm. thing is that I don't actually have any doctors right now. Cause my, my, my insurance changed and it's not always available here in the UAE in the same in Abu Dhabi where I am. I just don't want to have any, I don't want to go on it and not be able to get it. I don't want to go on it and have issues getting it. You know what I mean? So, um, and then also personally, I felt like it's more like I'll, there'll be a week or two that's bad. And then there's it's good. So for the most part, I am really managing it. And I don't think I have uh, symptoms like what I've heard from other women. So for me, it's like full support of my body. Like when I very much fiber and, and vegetables and fruit, like a really rich diet. Um, I, I don't know what you call it, maybe like a kind of a keto paleo, but I eat, I don't eat any, I, I try to eat whole food. I try not to have processed food. And I find things start to go badly when I start to eat more processed food. My gut just can't really digest it. I've really noticed digestive problems. So I try to keep my diet really, really good and be mindful. I don't eat much sugar. If I have sugar and alcohol, then I'll have hot flashes for sure. And I'll start having lots of other problems. So the diet is key. And it sounds boring, but it's just, it's just better for me. You know, I don't eat um, much, much in the way of dairy. That also isn't good for me. And I take a lot of supplements, but I don't want to tell, you know, it's, it's a bit nerve wracking. Cause if you say supplements, other people will like, for me, they work right. Like I, I, yeah. I, I think, you know, I follow a lot of really smart people and there's a lot of science that most of us are magnesium deficient. And I think that's a really key thing to take in perimenopause. I see that over and over and over. Obviously, you should only take recommended doses and do so with like, uh, I really think a professional even with supplements. Mm. You've, you've talked in some of your newsletters about some of the things that you have tried or are taking uh, regularly that, that kind of work for you. But as you say, yeah, everyone, everyone kind of has to find what's going to work for them. And if, and you know, does it hone in on particular sort of symptoms or issues that they're experiencing I think again that's another one of those quite tricky things to navigate sometimes right it's like well there are this kind of whole plethora of things I could do could try you know what's the magic combination gonna be or or do I go down the HRT route or do I do both and I think as long as we're kind of kind to ourselves and sort of say well it's not that one is better than the other necessarily it's like you kind of have to find what's going to work for you to quote sorry to quote dr Mukherjee, it's just because i've just read her book so she's top <laughs> of mind but she um she put it really nicely because what i i really want to span hrt all holistic and everything in between i don't think it's one or the other and the, she phrased it beautifully where she had breast cancer when she was in her early 40s so she couldn't t- couldn't use any hormone therapy when she went through menopause so she had to do it with lifestyle and she said 
like she was forced to, like, even though it was really difficult. She said it's really good to look at it like lifestyle is the core and then HRT is the accessory. And just observationally, I see a lot, you know, in these Facebook page groups and on Twitter, you see a lot of women who have been tinkering and with their HRT for, I've seen for two years now and never sort of getting it right and still struggling and struggling and struggling. And I feel like there is a message coming that HRT will fix it. HRT will fix. And I think bullet, everyone's looking for the magic bullet. And I feel like HRT will help so many things, you know, like urinary problems. I was talking to a, a female urologist here in Abu Dhabi and she's like, it'll just sort it out. You know, um, estrogen just fixes that. Like there, it will, it will sort out a lot of things, but a magic bullet for everything. I'm not sure um, that it will. If you're, if, if you, this is a time in life when we have to reckon with all our choices and all our lifestyle that we're doing. And it's a time when our bodies can't really handle like alcohol and, and heart, you know, fatigue and all these other yeah. stress. We can't carry on the way that we have been for, for previous yeah. decades. Yeah. So, I mean, my, it's really helping me. I had to clear that up anyway in my forties before I knew this is what I was going through. I, and it's very clear to me that when I dibble dabble, <laughs> <laughs> to think that it'll go that well. So yeah, it's such an individual thing. And it's almost like now if you say, well, I'm not taking hormones, it's like you're saying, well, like, it's a, I feel like it's a little bit like the um, uh, natural birth versus, uh, you know. Yeah, like, I'm fine. I've managed. I'm kind of gliding through just taking my yeah. special supplements. And, and look at me. I'm winning. <laughs> like, you know, just only drink cucumber water. And then there's. Mm. And it's just so it doesn't help any of us. Right. Because everyone's just looking for the thing that works. It all it's all applicable. But I think probably. Um, more helpful if you if you go on hormone therapy, if you also look at all the lifestyle things and also look at how you manage your stress and also look at, you know, something that was tremendously helpful for me was to look at the things that I hadn't faced in my life. Like, you know, everyone talks about childhood traumas. You don't have to have been abused as a child to have some sort of micro traumas that you haven't dealt with and things that interfere with the way you interact with other people and beliefs that you have about yourself. And these things all, I believe, contribute and come to a boil in your middle age. And if you can sort of face work on all the levels, I think you can, I think you can have a better time. I think if you're, if you've got pain that you're not paying attention to, that's going to make it harder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a, a sort of, you know, you, you have a car for a certain amount of time, then you have to do a major service, right? It's an opportunity to kind of do a major service on, on all of those elements of life and figure out, okay, how can I be not the best version of myself? Because that just sounds a bit like some horrendous Instagram motivational quote, but you know, just going into this sort of future of hopefully touch wood, you know, what another 30, 40, 50, who knows years of, you don't want to be feeling like crap for, no. for all of that time and, and sort of, you know, making well, I am making the old lady noises when I get up off the floor, but. Oh, me too. Maybe. Don't worry. <laughs> but I think what's lost, you know, in the discussion, which I see a lot of discussion focusing on hormone therapy, and so it should be. Um, but I always feel like the spiritual and soul part of it is a bit lost um, in the discussion. And I sort of, I've been calling it the heroine's journey, but I'm trying to be more gender, gender neutral. So I'm just going <laughs> to go back to calling it the hero's journey, which is apparently a gender neutral term. 
But the hero's journey, uh, Joseph Campbell, it's part of every story, poem, song, everything that we've ever heard, which is you're called to, to an adventure, you're called to a challenge and you go through it. And I believe that this experience of menopause is our hero's journey. It's a culmination. And if you, we can pass through it, if we can face those dark sides of ourselves, if you can imagine like an adventure film where um, the hero is trotting along and is, you know, meets some nasty people and then manages to overcome it and faces down his own fears. I don't think it's too much to com- make that comparison, really, because if you can if you can face up to everything that's happened to you and and the pain that you haven't dealt with, then emotionally you can just move forward and be lighter and freer. So I like to talk about Go through that. your trial by fire, burning off. I talked to a, a beautiful woman in the states, um, M.K. Suryak. She edited a um, a graphic novel about menopause. It was just great. It's got comics from like all sort of people. And she sort of looks, she loves that theory of like hot flashes as like burning off things that you don't need anymore. And I really Mm -hmm. like that. But just on the topic of supplements, I, in a Facebook group, someone mentioned a supplement that I never see anywhere. And I thought, huh, for hot flashes, it's called Peak Noginol. It's standardized. It's regulated. It's an antioxidant. I've heard of some very prominent doctors, male and female that take it. And it, it works for hot flashes for me and I don't see it anywhere and I'm not sure why. <laughs> so definitely if anyone hears this, definitely ask your doctor about it, ask them to look into it. But I've been taking it now for two years and I, it works so well that I, I stopped taking it because I think I don't have hot flashes anymore. And then a week or so goes by and then I have hot flashes again. So <laughs> do, do you know what it's um, made from? It's made from the bark of the of a of a tree that grows in the Mediterranean, French alpine tree. So it's I mean, I feel like I would feel comfortable cutting off some bark and having a bowl of it. It wouldn't be delicious, but I think if I was trapped in the forest, <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I don't think Let's hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I I think you're right. I think there's part of this conversation and sort of flipping the narrative to um, you know more positive conversations is kind of brings in that idea of a rebirth a second kind of chapter second spring they call it don't they in Japan which I I love that idea of you have your your adolescence in which you become hopefully a fully functioning member of adult society and then you have your second adolescence and then you kind of you're like well how can I reinvent myself what am I going to be for this kind of this next chapter so I just love that idea of you know however you want to kind of frame it or imagining it but I can be different I can reinvent myself oh my gosh absolutely and think about it like First of all, of course, we need to process everything that's happened in our lives. A lot has happened by now. <laughs> we have a lot of experiences. But the wisdom and the and the experience that we've accumulated and our education, it all comes together. And you're able to sort of say, like, what would I like to do? And be clear about it. Like, I know in my 20s, I was tremendously driven and ambitious. And into my 30s, like beyond, you know, just to get my career going, I was obsessed. And I would just work and work and work. And then I sort of muddled along, you know, from my late thirties through my forties, sort of lost. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I I tried this and that, and I didn't have a lot of confidence. And then I feel like I've got that fire back now. Like, I feel like I've got that sense of purpose that I had lost. And um, obviously you can't have that all the time. We all need to rest and even plants, you know, or have fallow periods, but I, I, I see this in a lot of women. And then also 
you know, the amount of, I think it's called gray divorce. Like a lot of people just examine their relationships and they either decide to sort of tackle them and, uh, and fix what needs to be fixed or move on. And that's happening a lot too. You know, that's, I think that's all tied up. You know, the, the myth is that, I don't know if the myth, the, the belief is that men trade us in for, for younger women. But I don't think that bears out in the research. And I, it does, certainly doesn't bear out in the marriages that I know. We just refuse to settle for, for just good enough anymore. It's like have this re- period of reassessment. Where am I going? Where is this relationship going? Is it really serving me? Is this what I want to be doing in another 25, 30 years? And I think the caregiving, like I have a very clear memory of my mom just not wanting to do this stuff for me that she did before. Not like she still loved me and she was still like I was her priority, but I like there was just a little bit of an individuation that happened when she was in her late forties, you know, just a little bit of a like she was also she was a nurse and she was retraining. Um, you know, she was learning about opera. She just had this like zest to her that you know, I like it wasn't a hundred percent obsession with what I was doing, and I think that's really neat. And also, her and my father, you know, they had a a, a tumultuous marriage. And when they'd been married for thirty years, she left my father for a year, and then um, they managed to reconcile. And they had an amazing year before she got sick, and they went to therapy and did everything. And I, I think that's always inspired me. And I think um, that can happen. You know, you can either do that or, or you can leave and, and go on and, and either be on your own or date or whatever. But I just don't think, yeah, I, like you said, I don't think you're just, you're just not willing to settle anymore. It just mm. sort of become All you, things are possible. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're, we're coming up to time, as I said, we'll try and kind of keep, keep these podcast episodes fairly manageable. But if people want to sign up to your very excellent newsletter, where can they find you? Oh, thank you. Um, www.hotflashinc.com. And it comes out every Saturday. And I'm looking to be expanding it soon. So keep keep a lookout. Fantastic. And um, I, when I remember, I forgot in the last episode, but who um, do you want to nominate uh, another interesting woman who you think we should be talking to here on the podcast? Oh, you know who I've become real chums with? And I, I, it's funny because I have all these women all around the world that I sort of like know, but Rachel Hughes, she runs the Menno Memos account. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives in, I think, Connecticut. And she's just a, like the loveliest soul and is uh, nutrition is her background. She's uh, really well-versed in it and just like a really sunny person. And, and that's who I would nominate. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'll pop a link to um, both your Instagram account and to the website up on the blog when I post about the podcast. And uh, it was so much fun chatting to you. Thank oh, you again. I'm so excited about that you're doing this. Like this is so this is so cool. Thank you. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.